G'day everyone and welcome along to another Tune Under podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's original and best Newcastle United podcast. Uh, joining me tonight from a cold Melbourne is Dimmy. How are you doing, mate? Good, mate. It's uh, yeah, it's getting a bit chilly down here. Winter's just about to start to kick in, so not great, but uh, we're at the business end now of the season. It's uh, exciting, a bit nervous, but... Starting more... to warm up elsewhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's starting, it's starting to get very, very warm. In uh, in Tyneside, so uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it tonight. Hopefully, it's uh, a good next two weeks for us. Yeah, so but coming down to crunch time, um, we are running a little bit late in getting the uh, Leeds review out, which we'll do tonight. Um, it was the Saturday night meetup game, so we had Mother's Day on Sunday. I was a bit hungover um, after after the Saturday night uh, shenanigans. Uh, so yeah, we've 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 pushed this one back. So we'll we'll couple in the Brighton preview uh, on this one, and we'll have a run through the teams a bit later on. But I guess let's uh, let's kick things off with the Lee's game. Um, obviously, finished two two. Uh, probably not the ideal game that we were hoping for. Um, not the ideal result. Certainly, um, we, we we really needed those three points, but. In all, all in all, I think getting a point away from home against what was probably a fiery Leeds, um, sort of well up for the game. Um, we'll we'll, talk, we'll touch on the refs because I'm pretty convinced that they let a lot go for Leeds and and didn't let it go for us. But uh, you know, conspiracy theories aside for the moment. Um, so obviously uh, we we had um, sort of uh, a red card for Leeds, but probably a little bit too late on in the game. Callum Wilson scored two penalties for us. Um, Luke Eiling, Eiling um, scored quite early on for Leeds. Uh, and then Rasmus uh, Christensen um, on 79 minutes got the equaliser, uh, which which is not something that we wanted. Um, not not exactly the prettiest of game from us. Uh, what, what were your overall thoughts on the game, Dimmy? Yeah, it was a difficult one. It was it didn't look like us, to be honest. It, it wasn't a game where we imposed ourselves on it and we looked we looked fluid and we were creating loads of chances. It was a sort of a scrappy scrappy relegation battle to be honest, in terms of the, the team who's fighting relegation really brings down the the team who's high on the table down to their level and sort of not kicks the shit out of us, but almost tries to do that and mm. sort of make it a stop start not much flow to the game. So we couldn't really get going really all all game. We had bits and bits and parts were okay in terms of our build up and, and our pressing. But yeah, it was, it was a strange game. I think after half an hour when Leeds were obviously got the early goal and then they had the penalty to Bamford, if, if you'd said after half an hour before that penalty or as he's lining up for that penalty, we're going to walk out with a two-all draw, you probably would have said, take that. Obviously, Pope saves it and we go ahead, things change. But all in all, it doesn't look great on the surface, the result, but I think it'll be an important point come the end of the season. Yeah, I think um, I think you sort of summed it up. It was a scrappy game, uh, probably from both sides in the end. I think Leeds are fighting for their lives. You know what you're going to get off, an, off a, a newly appointed Sam Allardyce team. Uh, he's he's going to fight, want, want everyone fighting for everything. Uh, and that's exactly what they did. And, and look, they... They kind of pushed Man City a bit more than I think most people would have thought the game before um, for his first game in charge. And, you know, look, Leeds, the the home fans were well up for it as well. Um, I think we all thought early kickoff, maybe they weren't going to be quite as vocal, but uh, that that didn't quite eventuate. They they were they were pretty pretty noisy um, from what I heard 
in the the replay. I couldn't hear much in the pub in Brisbane for the Leeds fans. There was actually quite a good turnout for both Newcastle and Leeds fans. Some some pretty good banter going backwards and forwards, uh, which was which was good. So Leeds fans gave as good as they got, and you know, it sort of made for a made for an interesting night. That's for sure. Um, I mean, Newcastle I thought actually started off pretty well. Um, obviously. Leeds scored very early on, so it didn't really last for too long. But I thought Newcastle had a couple of sort of half chances without really creating anything. Leeds go ahead through through a pretty bit a bit of sloppy defending. Um, I mean, I, I I don't understand how we're conceding so many goals at the moment from from set pieces from from crosses into the box when we've got a, a team of giants at the back. What what are you making of the the recent trend, and in particular that goal? Because I thought it was oh, I thought it was very very sloppy defending. Yeah, so firstly on the goal, it was it was probably two or three mistakes that, that led to the goal. First of all, I thought that built up a little bit too easy down our right-hand side, and it was a flick, I think, from Rodrigo or yeah. or somebody to release Bamford. But I think Trippi has got to block the cross or he's got to put more pressure on the cross. So he sort of just watches Bamford put the ball into the box, and that's obviously not ideal from there. And from that, from that point in, you're looking in the box and – We've got the big guys in there, like you said, but there was two free Leeds players who were sort of free jumping at the penalty spot for the ball. And obviously, Rodrigo had to head a good save by Pope. But as 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 you make a great save as a goalkeeper, you'd you'd hope your defenders are following the ball yeah. in. And if the ball spills loose, they're the first to get it. But Isaac was just on his heels, and and Ailing sort of gambled and said, "Well, if Pope doesn't push this wide, I might I might be on for a tap in." And he was, and. And they scored. It, it was it was frustrating though because you're right. They I don't think they went forward for the first eight minutes. Mm. Pretty sure there was, was a first. Pretty much their first foray forward, yeah. Anywhere near our box, the first time they they were there, and the fact that we couldn't deal with sort of a simple cross, sort of man up at the back post, it was, yeah, it, it was quite frustrating. Yeah, so I mean, I thought the rest of the the half were, was was actually pretty scrappy as well, um, but we did end up going in um, on level terms thanks to a Callum Wilson penalty. Uh, the the through ball from Bruno to Isak, though, I thought was absolutely top draw. Um, and there's been talk on, on social media about, you know, that Bruno's having a bad game and Willick needs dropping and things like that. And I, I'm just not seeing any of that because they've been so good all season. Um, we're getting to crunch time of the season. You're, and as Jack's been saying through a few of the pods recently, you're always going to get a couple of really random results thrown up at this time of year. Um, and I think, you know, they, they've got, they've clearly got the new manager bounce. Um, we're away from home, but um you know, we, we started to kind of creep back into the game a little bit. And then, yeah, it's sort of just an absolute peach of a ball through for, for Isak. Gets brought down in the box. Um, this was after their penalty. Um, so they, they got another penalty for what I can only just be described as a, a, a brain fart moment from Joe Linton. Um, there was a bit of a tangle of legs. What did you make of their penalty? And then what did you make of ours before? I mean, Pope save. Um, that's a couple of penalties he's saved now. He did one against Brentford as well. So he's he's keeping us in games when we're not quite at our best. Um, but what did you make of the the Joe Linton sort of challenge, fumble, tangle of legs? Yeah, it was very clumsy. I, I don't think he meant to even challenge mm. him. I'm pretty sure he slipped at the last moment and sort of because he was too close to the Leeds player, it, it, it obviously became a foul and it was a penalty. It was It was very sloppy though and it sort of summed up the fact that we were just a little bit off in terms of everything. And 
obviously it's it's one nil down. You, you you can see the penalty at Ellen Road for a team that's fighting for their lives. You're not you're not too confident, despite the fact that Pope is saved penalties already. But it, it was a blessing that he saved it. So I think that save sort of sparked us a little bit yeah. and sort of gave Leeds a bit of a a bit of a downer and a bit of a oh shit, we could have gone two 0 up here. It's only one nil. What have we done? And lo and behold, within a few minutes, yeah, Bruno with a nice through ball and Isaac was just very smart. He he waited for the last possible moment to to drag the ball away from the defender and. Their defender, similar to Jolinton, was just a stupid challenge at the sort of far right side of the box. It was mm. never going to score, never going to create anything from that position. But Isaac was smart enough to to win the foul and and obviously cool, cool, calm and collected Callum Wilson from the spot. Yeah, I thought he took it really well. It was it was that perfectly placed hard ball yeah. into the bottom right, uh, bottom left corner of the goal. Um, pretty much no keepers getting to that ever. Um, so you know yeah. you couldn't want for a better better penalty than that. Um, so we go in at half time, uh, one all. Uh, the the second half started, and I actually thought we were the better side for a long period of time in the first half without necessarily creating much in the way of clear cut goal scoring chances. Um, there was one chance, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because obviously it was a little bit hazy, and I have watched the replays, but uh, the the the, the order of events on sun, on Saturday night are a little bit sketchy for me, so apologies in advance. But Isak got put through by Gordon when he came on and uh, ended up sort of playing uh, straight through on goal. One-on-one um, -one with the keeper, I was surprised he didn't take it himself and then squares it across to, to Maxi. I will correct myself, This that was to go up 3-1, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, so that um, was after, yeah. That was that, that was, was after, after the hour. Yes, goal. yeah. No, no, yep. it's all it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> um, but the the penalty first, uh, cross in from the left hand side. Uh, I don't think anyone saw it. The fans, the rest of the players, um, Isak on the money again. Knew exactly what had happened. Flagged up to the ref straight away. Um, why the Leeds player had his hand that far in the air is just beyond me. Um, you're asking for trouble um, as soon as your your hands up in the air. It doesn't it only needs to take a graze. You cannot say that that is a, a natural arm position. Um, so yeah, clear cut penalty for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Furpo for Leeds had an absolute shocker. He was um, he was all over the shop, and he was probably lucky to stay on the pitch maybe ten minutes earlier when he tried to take down Bruno. He probably just missed him. That's probably why he didn't get a red card, but. Yeah, you got you got to love Isaac's appeals. I mean, twice now against Forest and now against Leeds, he's been bang on, and his his appeals are very, are very forceful. And sometimes you might you might need that because I don't think anyone else in the stadium saw the penalty. No, let alone the referee if he saw it or not. So Isaac went absolutely ballistic, and it worked out in the end. And obviously, there was a lot of delay tactics, and Leeds keeper was acting like a pork chop before the yeah. before the penalty. I'm not sure how he didn't get booked. Because he was acting like an absolute clown. So the ref sort of let that go, which is probably a theme of the day. But again, Wilson was calm and actually live watching. Obviously, again, yeah, we're in the pub down in Melbourne. And obviously, yeah, probably a little bit hazy as well. But it did look like off the boot. I thought he'd skied it. When the way he came mm. off the boot, I thought it went over the bar. So I, And I couldn't really see the ball ripple the net because it sort of hit the roof of the net and then rolled down. So... There was that split second delay that my heart sort of just stopped. I'm like, oh shit, he's put it over the bar, but 
Yeah. Thank goodness he didn't. And uh, uh, for me, I hate it when pen- when players take penalties like that, where they kind of like almost dink the keeper and expect yeah, the keeper yeah. to dive one way or the other. Um, I, I just don't like those sorts of penalties. But yeah, look, fair play to him. Roof of the net. Couldn't couldn't wish for a, for a better um, sort of uh, kickoff for the for the second half. Going going into that potential third goal um it, it was probably just delayed a little bit i'm again I, as i said I'm, I'm very surprised that isaac um isaac however we're pronouncing it these days um I'm, I'm surprised that he squared it he didn't just take it on he was like pretty much straight through but look maxi was in a in a good good position I think we all celebrated thinking that that was a goal. Um, looking back on it, yeah, look, it, it was it was one of those one of those decisions where it, it was it was definitely offside. Gordon's just held held onto it a little bit longer than he probably needed to. Um, I was quite impressed with Anthony Gordon when he came on. Uh, I know I know he's getting a lot of stick and pelters of abuse on social media, and people are saying he's like you know he's in the list of worst signings of the season. But to me, I, I think he's he's showing signs. He's just not quite on the same page as the rest of the team, um, which you expect considering he hasn't been playing in the in the system for the for the whole time. hasn't had a proper preseason. We've had games coming thick and fast, so. To be fair, we probably aren't doing all that much training because we're expecting players to be resting. And um, so it's going to take him time to develop those connections with the players around him. But how 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 were you feeling about his performance when he came on? I thought his energy was good. I mean, he, he did hold on to the ball a little bit too long at times. And obviously that moment with Isaac, Leeds were playing a very high line and, and Isaac was, was clean through. He just had to release it probably a second earlier. And it would have been three one and, and game over. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be, and and unfortunately VAR cancelled that goal. Obviously, rightfully so, but obviously yeah. that three one would have changed the game and been and been game over. But in terms of Gordon himself, he he did provide a lot of energy, and he did have that moment later in the game where it was probably half an inch away from a third penalty when uh, he was put clean through. I think yeah. with Bruno with a, with a through ball, the yeah. long ball over the top. So he 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 was decent off the bench. I. I'm a little bit like you. I don't think he's been as poor as people have been making out. I think when there's price tags of yeah. the money that we're throwing around in terms of 40 million, that's exactly why he's copying the heat because people think 40 million pounds or $40 million, he should be performing and scoring goals and assisting and being a dominant player. That's that's not the case. In modern day football, 40 million probably doesn't buy you yeah. that much. And, and he is a young English player with obviously still a lot to learn. So, I think he's going to need some time. And I think at the moment, his role for me, the best the best way for him to serve the team is probably off the bench in that impact, high energy role. And I think he can do that for us in the last couple of games. Yeah, he's, he's probably not helped by the fact that Bruno hit the ground running so so well when he first joined us. Um, that was potentially... But even he had some time to, to settle and we didn't have as yeah. many games. So he probably had a little bit longer to to settle in with, with the club. Um I I think, yeah, Gordon for me. I think he's got a good first touch. I think he's very good on the ball, and he's got a bit of he's, he's got a bit of link up play in him. But he's just not quite on the same wavelength as the players around him at the moment, and that that'll come with time. Um, but as you said, it's like price tag is is what's really really affecting the the, the perception that he's not not justifying that forty five million or whatever we paid for him, but. As you said, it's like you stick the English tax on that for a young up-and-coming player. 
um, a player that was playing under the modern day Steve Bruce up until we we signed him. Uh, you know, in in Lampard, I think you know he's he's going to take time to kind of get back up to speed. But the bags of potential there for me. I think it's uh, yeah, as you said, it's like he's sort of like a a gnat's whisker away from from earning a third penalty for the game. So that would have been that would have been pretty good for him to do. But unfortunately, uh, Leeds ended up scoring an equalizer on the 79th minute. Uh, what can only be described as a bit of a fluky goal. Um, they they did play some some good build up play, but the ball came out. Um, Trippier literally stood perfectly still. It bounces off yeah. his face when they have a shot into the box um, and deflects past Mick Pope, who had kind of read the ball's flight and already started to move before um, before the deflection, so he had no chance. Uh, I mean disappointing to concede that goal but not a lot the defense could do um with that one these things happen yeah i mean deflections are hard to are hard to stop i mean obviously it completely diverted the ball from a different angle and yeah trips it wasn't as if trips stuck a leg out or turned his back or anything like that i mean if you're going to be really harsh we probably should have conceded the corner in the first place i think from memory the 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 cross came in and trippier tried to hit the ball back to pope instead yeah. of just clearing the ball. So that probably is the first mistake, not considering the set piece. But from there, I mean, we could have pushed out harder, but but again, the bloke's just lashed at it and it's he's taken a wicked deflection. When those goals go in against you, you probably think to yourself, it's not our day today. We're not yeah. we're not going to get the maximum points. If we get a point, we'll take that as a positive result. But it's it's one of those things, I, I call them RC goals when yeah. When things go against you, 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 you get that bit of luck against you, unfortunately. So, look, we've had some luck our way this season and obviously yeah, a lot against sure. us with, with some decisions. So you you take the good with the bad and at the end of the day, it's it's still a point and we, we move forward. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the only other major talking point for the, for the game was Firpo going off with a red card on 91 minutes, I believe. Now, under normal circumstances, you you kind of think, yeah, look, 91 minutes on the clock, we're not expecting much injury time, but the referee should have added a hell of a lot more on than what he yeah. did for the amount of stoppage yeah. that we had in the game, not just from injuries, but from the penalties, from the VAR checks. I mean, he spent five minutes checking for VAR. Yeah. Uh, for the handball and you're thinking well come on let's let's add the time on so we could have we could have potentially had a little bit more time added on um after that red card but potentially just came a little bit too late for us do you reckon yeah i think so i mean yeah i mean we're not going to go into to what happened in anfield early in the season but let's just say if if the stoppages that occurred in that second half plus the red card on the 90th or 91st minute happened at at Anfield or at Old Trafford or Manchester City, I mean, there would have been 10, 11 yeah. minutes at a time. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think the bloke, he might, he might've added one, one minute extra, but definitely wasn't, uh, wasn't enough. But look, to be fair, we probably on the overall game, we probably didn't deserve the three points. If, if we're being honest, obviously when you're two, yeah. one up, you want to see the game out and, that that's the frustrating part. But if you look at the game overall, they missed a penalty. We we didn't create an awful lot. Um, and at the end of the day, that red card happened at the worst time. And probably as well in terms of where the free kick was, it's a very difficult position to get the ball up and over the net, unless you've got yep. Leo Messi. Of course, it's very unlikely to put the ball top corner. So yeah, when 
when Trips was taken, I probably was hoping it was going to be Cher or someone else just to completely leather the ball and mm. and hope maybe we get a deflection and, and the ball skims in. But it wasn't to be, and uh, and we move on. Yeah, I'm, before we get, uh, I'm going to touch on some of the team stats I've got up because it, it some of it's a little bit surprising. Um, I, I wasn't expecting the the stats to quite be as they are, but I'm going to pull up the first one, which is our set piece issues. Um, six corners again in this game, not one conversion from one of them. Now, I, I think someone posted that we've got a. a less than a 1% conversion rate at free kicks from or free kicks or set pieces or corners this season. Um, given how tall the side is, and we seem to be going after tall timber at the back, that would be, you know, you'd, you'd hope that Dan Byrne and, and Botman and Shah and, you know, these sorts of players, they're going to be able to pull something out of the bag. You know, we've got, we've got Isak who's, who's pretty tall as well. Callum Wilson's not exactly short, um, but do you think that this is like just we're having a bad run or do you think that there's something needs to be done in addressing this in the off season? Because that that's a pretty poor conversion rate by anyone's stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I think it's definitely something we need to work on because, I mean, we've got the ingredients to be a very good set-piece team. We've got Trippier who's, generally speaking, putting in fantastic quality. We've got two or oh, even three players over six foot at the back, two over six foot four, six foot five. We've got Joe Linton in the midfield who's a, yeah. who's a man mountain. Wilson's good in the air. Isaac's shown that he can score with his head. So we've got more than enough options aerially to, to win some headers. So something's not quite working. I'm not sure whether we need to – I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of short corners, but I'm not sure whether we need to sort of mix it up and try and pull some, pull some defenders out of position to try and – to try and create some more space because whatever we're doing at the moment isn't working. And, and obviously we're playing on the front foot most of these games and creating a lot of set-piece chances. So you'd hope that it's something in the off-season we can work on. And, well, hopefully we can work on it this week and we can get some results in the next couple of games. But it should be definitely better than what it is. Yeah, just for, for me, if you can – I mean, the games that we're getting into double-figure corners – you know, you, you want to like just one, just score from one of them, and then suddenly you've got an extra goal on the board. And well, at least a, they look like scoring. At least, yeah, we're not, we're not even we're not even winning the first header a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think what's frustrating. It's not like we're we're getting the free header and it's just going above the bar, or the keeper's made a save, or there's a clearance on the line. It's just like not even a shot on target from them half the time. So yeah, yeah. infinitely frustrating. But hopefully we'll sort something out on that. But yeah, so the. The, the full-time stats that we've got here, and this is something that I actually was quite surprised about, is we had 18 shots to their nine. I I did not expect that. Um, shots on target, five to four. That's probably a bit better. Um, we actually dominated possession, 64 to 36%. Um, and I didn't feel that that was what the game felt like when we were watching it, certainly. Um, our pass accuracy was 80% to their 64%. Um, and we doubled the amount of passes that they had. I, I just feel that that's a little bit, that's a little bit of a strange stat story given the, the general feel of the game. Because as you said, I, I fully agree with you. I don't think that a 2-2 was an unfair result for either team. I think that, you know, it was probably fair for Leeds to get a point out of that match, given what they did. But looking at those stats, it's like we, we probably dominated the ball a little bit more than 
than I was expecting. You, did you feel like that that was how the game went or? Well, I felt like we had the ball, but we, we didn't look threatening with it. It was probably back to a few games at the start of the season where we'd have a lot of the ball, but just not do much with it. And it felt similar to that. I mean, Leeds were sitting at times very, very deep and they probably had in each half maybe five, ten minutes of, of intensity and that that's all they had in terms of their fitness. So they sat quite deep and were just hoofing long balls to Bamford most of the time. But when we when we had the ball, we, we didn't really ask enough questions in my opinion. We, we might have passed the ball from side to side a lot and obviously we did based on those stats, but there wasn't enough penetration in our passing mm. and wasn't enough penetration in terms of getting in behind them. So, yeah, stats can sometimes be a bit misleading because obviously watching the game, as as you said, we, we didn't seem to have that much control of the ball and, and the game and, and have the ball in the right areas. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll have a chat on that because it's it's kind of like moving on into the Brighton game where we want to, I want to have a bit of a chat about team selection, potential issues that we had in this game with, uh, playing the, the two strikers up front and shifting Isak out of position. Um, we'll, we'll we'll touch back on that because I think we I think we both kind of agree that that's probably not worked and we need to need to swap things around, especially with um, with the two games in quick succession coming up at St James's Park. It's uh, it's probably a good time to e- even if yeah, even if it's not a a. a genuine dropping of players it's a good excuse to do so while you've got uh rotation as, an, as a nice excuse for it so we'll, we'll come back to that but look at the end of the day it's another point on the board um we needed seven points to, to secure champions league football before the leeds game we need six now um we have two home games coming up and an away game against a chelsea team that is potentially already on holiday uh now <laughs> I think if you gave us this situation at the beginning of the season, we'd all be pretty happy. Um, an away game to Leeds is never going to be easy at the best of times. Yes, they're having a bad season, but it's never an easy place to go. Um, do you think that we're running out of legs, um, whether or not that's mental fatigue or physical fatigue because of lack of squad depth? Or do you think that we're just literally missing the fact that we've got, say, Longstaff out and Maxi's been out injured for a while as well? I don't think we're running out of legs. I think sometimes in, in, in football, you, you have to credit the other team as well. And obviously, we're used to, we've been used to winning a lot of games and and not losing many games. So we're sort of spoilt in the last 18 to 24 months in terms of this Eddie Howe team. And it's nothing like we've seen before. We've been used to losing, so that was easy to get over. But now when we're winning so much and all of a sudden we draw one game and all hell breaks loose on social media or (laughs) we lose one game and everyone's got to get dropped and everyone's hopeless and this team's terrible, there's no depth, blah, blah, blah. So I think... I think it's something in the middle. I think obviously you have to credit the teams that we've played recently and obviously Arsenal's second on the table. I mean, they had a bad result on the weekend, but yeah. they were very good against us. But even even in that game, we were we were quite decent ourselves and we weren't poor. Yeah. And and the Leeds game, I mean, any time any game you play against a relegation rival, especially at that stadium, Big Sam's first home game, he's gonna try and make it a scrappy game. It's it's never gonna be an easy game. If you probably said at the start of the season, Arsenal will beat you at home and you go to Leeds and you get a draw, you'll probably say that's probably expected. I mean, I don't think many people thought Leeds were going to just fall off the cliff this season. And Mm. the away game at Leeds, like you said, is always a tough game. So 
I think context is always missing sometimes is, is a lot of the time missing around around Newcastle and around social media. So yeah, I don't think we're running out of legs at all. I think it's just sometimes you gotta say fair play to the other team and no, I totally, totally agree. I, I, I kind of have asking the question just as a, as a talking point, because I know people are starting to get a little bit uh, antsy and a bit itchy, itchy bums, uh, twitchy, twitchy noses and what have you going on. Um, look, it, it, it is the crunch time of the season. We're in a, a position we never dreamed we would be in. And, you know, it's it's easy to kind of get get a little bit carried away. And, and I, I get it because if we don't get top four now, after being there for so long in the season and seeing off the team that we we assumed were going to be the ones that we would be uh, fighting with it with for it in Spurs, you kind of it's going to feel disappointing. It's going to feel like we've we've missed out um, big time if if we don't don't get that top four position. So I understand the the nervousness and and the the yeah. anxious fan base, but. Yeah, as you said, let's put things into perspective. It's it's a draw away from home against a, a, a scrappy Leeds team fighting yeah. for their Premier League survival under a new manager who is renowned for being able to shut up shop and, and keep things tight and fight tooth and nail for for results. So yeah, let's yeah. let's take it as a draw, take the point, and move on, and and hopefully we can do the job at, at home for the next two games. Well, exactly. I think, and the the other thing to add to that, I mean. Before before the Arsenal game, we'd won eight from nine games. Yeah. I mean, we'd we'd been on a ridiculous run. Where obviously, yes, we're used to winning, and anything other than a win is going to look like terrible form. But I mean, okay, you take the Arsenal game, we've lost. So, okay, so we've won eight out of ten. We've drawn against Leeds, so we've won eight out of eleven. If you said at any point of the season you win, you're going to win eight out of eleven games, and you have one draw and two losses, I think everyone's gonna, everyone's going to say this is. Fantastic form. So, yeah. sitting in third position, yeah, exactly. With a right. better, with like a 10, 15 yeah. goal, better goal difference than yeah. Man United in fourth. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I think, uh, I think it's uh, let, let's let's put things into perspective. Uh, well, we'll we'll move on to the Brighton game. Um, so, massive game for us so Thursday night in in Newcastle at St James's Park under lights. It's going to be hopefully a, a Champions League atmosphere. Um, hopefully, every all the fans are completely up for this one. Uh, trying to trying to get the team team through against what is let's be honest a very good Brighton side, um, but it, this this is where this is where they make their money. This is where they're going to make and make and break the reputation of those players that step out on that field on Thursday night. Uh, going to be an early kickoff for us uh, here in Australia, um, east coast of Australia. I think it's what a five thirty kickoff, four thirty kickoff, four thirty. Yep. 4.30 kickoff. So yeah, early start for us, but uh, it, it is what it is. It's, it's going to be exciting to watch. So um, we, we've put together what we think might be a uh, a Newcastle lineup, um, effectively the same lineup as what we had against Leeds. Um, this was your call, Dimmy. I actually agree with this lineup. Um, get ASM back in on that left-hand side, Miggy on the right, play Isak up front on his own. Um, we've got to keep things tight in midfield for this game. Otherwise, Brighton will literally walk all over us. Um, so the lineup we've got here is Pope in goal, uh, Trippier, Shah, Botman, Byrne, the, the good old back four that we've kept for quite a long time this season. Uh, midfield three of Bruno, Joe, and uh, Joe Linton and, and Joe Willock. Uh, and then ASM, Miggy out wide, and then Isak up front on his own. Um, your, your thoughts on no Callum Wilson in that side? 
Look, on the face of it, it's harsh. I mean, <laughs> he's, it's, it's harsh because he's. I think he's a leading scorer in the Premier League since the start of March. So yeah. he's been on this ridiculous run of form. But I think people have to remember a lot of the goals he's scored has actually been off the bench. Yeah. And the only game, I think of the few games that he scored from a starting position was when Isaac was rotated. Not that Wilson had forced his way into the squad. I think mm-hmm. it was the West Ham game away where Wilson scored two and, and Isaac was rotated from that game. So I, I think it's important that we do call it rotate, call it rest uh, this game, that that front two. We, we only have two strikers in our squad. We've got two great strikers, but we've only got two strikers. And if you want to be able to keep that same intensity in that front, sort of front third, I think the best way to go about it is to is to either play one for 60, play one for 30, or then do what we've been doing recently when we're chasing games in the second half and maybe bring one of them on for the last 45 minutes and play with them together. So I think that's the way to go, especially with the game coming up Monday night UK time against against Leicester. So it's only a three or four day turnaround. So yeah. we're not going to be able to play the same 11, you'd think. Again, especially at our intensity. So, I think for me, it's a no-brainer to to play Isaac up front. He's clearly, in my opinion, our best player now. I think he's gone past Bruno. Bruno's sensational, brilliant player, but I think Isaac has just offers something that I've never seen in a Newcastle shirt. He's he's special, and you need him in and around that eighteen-yard box. We can't. Yep. Obviously, he's very good out wide as well, but. We have to make sure he's in around that 18-yard box creating havoc. I mean, you saw against Leeds, the two penalties we won were from him making runs inside yep. the 18-yard box. So get him around that 18-yard box and, and let him let him go to work. I think that's a no-brainer. And then obviously with Isaac moving to the middle, I think it's time to bring our wild card out and, and give ASM at least an hour to say, look, big game, under the lights, you want to be playing Champions League football, you want to be playing big games here's your opportunity. And I think yeah. we unleash ASM and, uh, and see how he goes. Do you feel it's a risk starting him uh, given Brighton are a, a decent side with the ball uh, and, and maybe a slightly more defensive minded player to start the match and bring him on later on in the site in the game? I'm always he- hesitant to sort of worry about other teams' strengths, especially at home. I think we're, we're the home team, we're the team who's who wants to sort of get on the front foot and and take the game to Brighton, not the other way around. I think it might you're right, Brighton's a a very strong team and they may expose ASM at times on the left. I mean, that's probably why you've got Willick and Joe Linton in there. They'll they're gonna have to do a lot of running to sort of cover ASM's left hand side. But I think the main point about starting ASM in this game is Brighton's gonna be a team who's gonna give us space. They're not gonna sit at the edge of the 18-yard box and just defend for 90 minutes. That's not how they play. So that, I think, is going to really suit the way we want to play. We want to play in transition at times. We want to have space. We want to have Isaac running in behind, Miggy running in behind, ASM running in behind. So I think ASM suits this type of team, and especially when we're chasing – not we're desperate to, obviously, throw all caution to the wind to get the three points, but – when there's going to be space out there, I think ASM's the guy to exploit it. You need that that bit of quality. And I think, to be fair to him, before he's, I mean, he's had a myriad of injuries this season, but before his latest injury, he was superb. And his combination with Isaac up front was, I was, just was fantastic. Say, yeah. So 
Yeah. Yeah. So you 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 got to remember that ASM does have a good connection with Isaac, and it it wouldn't be a a stretch to say that um he him and Isaac have been uh, probably one of the better partnerships in in the front third yeah. probably all season. So. Yeah. The, the thing for me that stands out as well is if you if you play Isak and Wilson together, there's like there's less of an impact sub situation going on, on the bench as well. Like if you can bring one of them off the bench for the other, it means the other's playing like sixty minutes at full tempo, full pace, yep. um, keeping the intensity up for the whole sixty minutes because they don't need to last the whole game. But then you're bringing another player on who's a hungry to prove themselves because they don't want to like be completely left out of the starting lineup for the other player. They've got this good competition going in terms of keeping both each other on their toes. Um, and you're bringing someone else on with arguably uh, different characteristics to their game, but arguably still the same sort of quality in terms of goal scoring threat. So you've, you've got that extra, extra bounce off the bench, I think. And, and without having one of them on the bench to bring on, you kind of lose that because you, you're you essentially looking at, you know, yes, we can bring Gordon on, we can bring Murphy on, we can bring maybe Anderson on, but that's probably about it for the moment. And none of them are going to then sit through the middle and give you that genuine goal scoring threat. So yep. yeah, for me, I think, I, I think that team there would be, would be very, very good to see. Um, we'll have to wait and see what Eddie decides to go with. Um, but hopefully, yeah, we will, We'll get back to just sort of playing playing the one striker up front and uh, giving them some support that they need. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how ASM kind of slots back in because, as you said, he was he was linking up really well with Isak before uh, before he went out injured. So if we if they can get some of some of that that going back on again, then uh, then yeah, we, we we might stand a decent chance. So we'll have a quick check on the supposed Brighton side. So this is the ga- This is the side that uh, beat Arsenal three nil. Um, uh, at the weekend. Now, stealing goal, um, Estupinen, Colwell, Dunk, and Quesado um, at the back. Uh, Gross, I think it's Gross, pronounced. Gross, Gross. Gross, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Gilmore in midfield. Matomo, McAllister, and Enciso uh, in sort of kind of like an attacking midfield and Ferguson up front. Now, the thing that stands out to me about this Brighton side is They've got household names because of how well they've been playing, but they haven't gone out and spent a crap ton of money on them. They've just brought them through themselves, and now every team in the Premier League is after them. Um, how good have Brighton been in the market in terms of their their transfers and and developing their players from within? And I guess how exciting does that make you feel given that we've now got Ashworth who set all of this up at Brighton? <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. I think I think that's the point. It, it's it's been fantastic for for Brighton what what they've done. I mean, they this season they've lost they've lost their manager. They lost basically all his backroom staff, and they haven't missed a beat. They probably got even better since since Potter left. I mean, it seems there's a conveyor belt of young young kids coming into this team who are who are impressing and performing. And you're right, they're they're becoming household names, and I think virtually every one of that everyone in that team has been linked somewhere that another yeah. team in the Premier League or in Europe is trying to, is trying to get. So it's, it's definitely a, a very attacking team, in my opinion, a very vibrant, uh, a lot of energy in that team. So we're definitely going to be, have to have to be on our game. And I think yeah. like the point you said about 
keeping one of the strikers on the bench for 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 the last half an hour. I think it's very important to to have that option. The intensity of this game is going to be probably at an all time, virtually at an all time high for this season. It's it's going to be huge. So we're going to need to keep eighty five to ninety minutes of hot, intense pressure on Brighton yeah. to to try and break them. Otherwise, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna struggle like Arsenal did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like I I still find it amazing that. Brighton seem to be this this team at the moment that can can have a have an absolute star player come through. They'll sell them after one season or two seasons in the Premier League for an exorbitant fee, and then they'll bring someone in from nowhere that is either equally as good, or if not better. It's just it, it's just a scary conveyor belt of players that they've got going on at that club at the moment, and they all seem to to fit the style that they want to play as well. Which I think is is probably testament to the to the kind of like the setup that Brighton have at the moment, where they're not reliant on one manager. Um, we saw when Potter left, I was I was a bit worried that they might drop back a bit. They haven't they, they haven't skipped a beat. They've literally just carried on as if as if nothing's changed. Um, meanwhile, Potter goes to Chelsea with arguably a bigger array of talent at his disposal, uh, and really really struggles and ends up getting the sack. So, yeah, I think. Like, look, hats off to Brighton. Um, I I hope in five years' time, we're sitting here praising Dan Ashworth for for implementing a a, a Brighton policy on a budget. Um, you know, like we we hopefully will have the sponsor deals to keep the players that we want um, that we want to, rather than having to sell them on. Where we're paying the salaries to keep them happy. Where we're not, you know, we're we're kind of getting a better starting product if you like because we can aim for those slightly higher transfer fees to to bring the the young talent in um and you know we, we go on from strength to strength but the the brighton model for me is just absolutely outstanding so hats off to them but as you said we need to be at them uh we need to be back at our our intense press best i guess you would say um which which Worryingly, has been missing the last few weeks. And uh, do do you see an issue with how we've been approaching games? Are we trying to control games a little bit more in midfield? Are we taking our foot off the gas a little bit? Are we changing the way we approach games? Because I think it's it's pretty obvious that we're not pressing the same way as we were, say, earlier on in the season. I just think it's obviously a very taxing way way to play, and we don't. Have, we've obviously our depth this season has probably been better than we thought it was. And we, we have found a few players who look like they were, weren't going to help us much like Murphy and, and, and Miggy and, and they've both been fantastic. So I think that does take a toll on, on the legs of, of the players, that high intensity. But I mean, if you just go back a week, the Arsenal game, the first 15 minutes before Arsenal scored, we absolutely battered them. They barely got out of their half, yep. could have had a penalty had a other couple of close chances in in the first little bit and sort of were, were asking all the questions and came out with that high intensity. So I think it's in us and the advantage I think we've got here is it's a standalone game. It's it's St James's Park. It's a night fixture. I shared on social media earlier this week the someone put out the night record under Eddie Howe at St James's Park, which is which is astonishing. And, and looks good for us with the next two games coming along. So I, th- I think it's going to be, yeah, very hot in the kitchen, like you said, and it's important that we keep and maintain that intensity. But I think more more so than maintaining the intensity, I think we need to make sure that 
it's going to be one of those games that we take our chances because there's nothing worse than giving absolutely everything for 20, 30 minutes in the face of Bride and not scoring and getting hit by a sucker punch at the other end. I mean, we recovered against Southampton. It was somewhat similar in that game, but Brighton obviously is different different kettle of fish. But just just on their lineup as well, the other thing that I, I have noticed that we could get an advantage this game is obviously they've been fantastic this season and they've got fantastic young players coming through everywhere. But I think there's a key key point on that. There are a lot of young players in that team. I think there's a there's a fair few of them who obviously haven't been playing a lot of Premier League football that they've come come through recently. So I think there's a chance that we could get that atmosphere and just the intensity that we're going to be playing at could really rattle them. And I think if we can score early when we've got the intensity and the pressure and the crowd on our side, I'm not saying it's going to be a Tottenham sort of result, but I think we could, we could rattle a younger team. And we did see only probably a week ago against, against Everton when Brighton, hosted them they got hit by a sucker punch early and before they knew it they were three nil down after half an hour so there's definitely opportunity for us there and being a young team you don't want to give a young team any sort of confidence or belief so the sooner we can score obviously the better and, and, and squash that confidence and just keep the intensity I'm sure the intensity from the crowd will be will be up for most of the game we just got to come out with it for the first 10-15 minutes and try and snack an early goal yeah, I mean, historically, Brighton, I don't think have been great at St. James's Park, but um, actually, I've just pulled this up and they've actually had two draws, two wins to Brighton and two two wins to Newcastle. Um, I actually thought they struggled a bit more than that at St. James's. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's my, uh, my my hopeful hopeful head gone uh, straight away. Um, I thought we might have been able to capitalize on that. But look, look, if Newcastle play how they can, I don't think we've got anything to fear off anyone. Um, as you said, it's like, you know, we, we lost to Arsenal 2-0, but that could have been a very, very different game had we taken our chances. Um, and, and, you know, they took theirs really well. Um, I don't think we were outplayed. Uh, I think two nil probably flattered Arsenal. So if we can if we can keep that same intensity up against Brighton, um, then I, I actually think we'll 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 win this game. Um, it is starting to get pretty tight at the top now. Uh, Liverpool won again this morning, three nil against Leicester to close the gap to one point. Um, they have a game. In, they have played a game more um, than than both Manchester United and ourselves. So uh, look, if we we win this against. Brighton, then I think Monday night's game against Leicester will be an absolute blockbuster. Um, I'm going to be struggling not to go to the pub straight after work on Tuesday if we uh, manage to clinch Champions League football. But uh, let's get this game out of the way first. I'm not counting chickens until until they're well and truly hatched at this point. Um, So let's have some uh, uh, let's have some predictions for this game from you. Well, I'm very positive, as 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 you all know, and I I'm not going to predict anything else but a win. I think it's it's going to be tight, but I do think that we'll score early, and we might even score too early, and and as in two goals early, and and sort of get amongst them. I don't think it'll be a comfortable ninety minutes. There'll be stages where Brighton do put us on the back foot. So I'm going to go for a two-one victory with the the goal scorers to be Isaac and ASM. 
Cool. I will take that. Um, yeah, look, I'm going to go for a 2-1. I'm not entirely convinced who's going to score for us, but I I am concerned at our lack of clean sheets recently. Um, but as as we discussed the other night, we are scoring more goals these days, so it's less of an issue than than maybe it, it could have been. But I'll, I'll go for a 2-1. I reckon we'll go 2-0 up. Um, Brighton will, will pull on back and, and make for a nervy, into the Can game, we, um, we, 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 we never do things easy. I think that's oh. uh, that's pretty obvious. So let's uh, let's hope we just get over the line and and, and get those three points in the bag and, and move on to the next game. So it's been a pleasure. Um, let's hope we've got something good to celebrate uh, come Friday for us. Uh, you're off work, I'm off work. Hopefully, some some celebratory beers of the match uh, later on in the day. Um, but yeah, thanks very much, Dimmy, and uh, we'll call it there. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot.